Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison. I'm a contributor at NinerNoise.com, and here with me uh, to talk about, you know, another one of these uh, ho-hum losses, I guess, <laughs> is uh, fellow Niner Noise contributor, Chris Wilson. Chris, how we doing, man? Well, my friend, that is a complex question. As our regular listeners likely know, not a lot of this podcast is scripted and perhaps to its detriment when I go on 30 minute monologues, <laughs> but especially the opening where I have no idea what I'm going to say before you ask me that question. <laughs> so let's break this down. In the negative column, we had to suffer through our third straight blowout loss to a rival Correct. in what's looking like the Jim Tomsula era 2.0 or maybe 3.0. <laughs> where no one has any idea what they're doing, no one seems to care, and like a 10-point deficit in the fourth quarter, like forget it. You might as well just call the game right now. Can we just go home? Yeah. Now, on the positive side, I woke up this morning, so that's always good. I don't know how you feel about that, but for me, it's good. (laughs) I'm good with it. The 49ers aren't totally out of it, mathematically, although they've been out of it spirit for weeks. Sure. And my main man, Taysom. That is definitely a positive. <laughs> so tell me, how cute was it when they let him actually play quarterback and work the pocket on a third down? And we were so kind to him to just leave Michael Thomas totally uncovered. And I don't mean like, quote unquote, Michael Thomas uncovered, like closely covered. Like nobody was. Running. I mean, no one was within 30 yards of the guy. And he's just running across the field uncovered. And he's still at our defensive line second. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> Taysom only knows how to throw it to Michael Thomas. So he's just locked onto him. He's just staring at him, locked onto him, staring, staring, staring. And then suddenly he remembers he's a special teamer and a fake quarterback. And he just stands there and gets sacked <laughs> by King of Law. It's just unbelievable. Like what was going on through his mind? I have no idea. And then he fumbled twice too. So that was great. Gotta love it. Uh, yeah, it was good. That definitely made my day. Taysom's going to Taysom. And then finally, finally. Okay. I have to remember to tell myself it's okay. Yeah. It's it just okay. a game. This is true. It is. But then I remember no, it is not just a game. This is 49ers <laughs> football. 
And now I'm really disappointed <laughs> in myself and angry with myself for even saying that. So in summary, I'm terrible. How about you? Okay. <laughs> Is that, that's how you acquired that. Anyway, uh, wow, we are like on brand within the first five minutes. Uh, so really good. So if you were playing with your uh, Niner Noise podcast bingo card, uh, you may have already won. Here in the uh, taking them all the beginning moments of the <laughs> you, you got most of them I don't know I'm not really keeping track I didn't say anything about PFF though oh there we go uh, <laughs> now you've won anyway so um, yeah the Niners lost uh, what is that three in a row uh, I, I kind of lost count yeah something like that this one is probably like the most bizarre of the three I would venture to say I'm sure there's an argument that we could make against that but by some sort of strange miracle uh the 49ers were actually in this game until like the very end there's a lot of reasons for that but I think uh the defense played played really well um even in those moments when when uh Drew Brees was was in there um I would say that the defense's performance was good enough to win but uh Nick Mullins in the offense uh they looked really good on that first drive and we were talking about it in the in the Niner Noise chat during the game about you know that that looked good and I think I even said you know as soon as the the drive was over I was like that's cool but let's see what happens uh, when we get out of the the scripted plays at the beginning and um, well they managed only two more field goals for the rest of the game uh, ended up losing the game twenty seven thirteen in New Orleans on Sunday uh, so we mentioned last week that the final score was closer looking than the game actually was I think this was the opposite of that where the final score makes it look like they lost, like they were getting dominated in, in a lot of ways. They really didn't. Um, again, there's lots of reasons for that, like, you know, Drew Brees going down and, you know, Jameis Winston having to play quarterback for most of the second half and these sorts of things. <laughs> That's the kind of year that this is for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, they fall to four and six heading into their bye week. Um, and as you mentioned, while they're not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, the rest of the division is tied at six and three. Uh, with the Cardinals of all teams uh, mathematically in first place based on their division record. Uh, so who to thunk it? It would probably require a win-out scenario uh, for the Niners to really make any real noise. You know, if they lose any more than like one, maybe two more games, it's probably over for them at this point. So that's not what you want, but there you go. Um, for you uh, betting folks out there, they also clinched the under in their preseason win total. So huzzah. Uh, <laughs> if anybody cares about those numbers, I just I saw that somewhere and I was like, oh, cool. Ten games in, and we've already not we're not going to get to the 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 ten, uh, or the I guess it was the eleven was the was the ten and a half eleven was the was yeah ten and a half. Yeah, I think, so yeah. there you go. Uh, injuries because of course uh, <laughs> why not <laughs> because we have to because it happens every. I, we should just make this a segment. It is. It's. it's I mean, like, it's sort of become. This it year, is. But just it has like become permanently. A segment. And even if there's nobody injured, we'll just say nobody somehow. And we'll cheer. There will be much rejoicing. We, we might not actually do the podcast one that week if we get, make it through without any major injuries. We would just be so surprised. Um, anyway, uh, Jermichael Hasty, his uh, rookie season is over. Uh, going to the IR with a broken collarbone. I think that's like a six to eight week type of injury. I don't know what the numbers off off the top of my head, but... There are only seven weeks left in the season for the 49ers. There's a pretty good chance he's not coming back for this year. Uh, Jonathan Cyprian also going to the IR with a hamstring injury. Uh, that makes, at the current moment, 16 players on the injured reserve. I don't have the number in front of me in terms of how many players we've put on the injured reserve in total. Um, all I know is there's 16 on there right now. i got to think the number is 
like in the mid twenties or more in terms of players that we have put on there at some point throughout the season. There are several players like Richard Sherman and Raheem Mostert who figure to come off uh, before the next game uh, in Los Angeles, but uh, that number just remains too high. We got a new addition to the practice squad injured reserve list, which again, I did not know existed until this season, but that's again, the type of year it's been. Practice squad safety, Jared Maiden goes to the practice squad injured reserve list, joining rookie wide receiver uh, Juwan Jennings. And then also this week, defensive lineman Eric Armstead and Javon Kinlaw were added to the COVID list. If it's actually the virus, obviously that's a problem. And they may not be ready to play by the next game. But if it's just the sort of quarantine because of they were close to somebody, something like that, then they'll probably be okay to go by the time the Niners play again, which is not until November the 29th. So there you go. Um, in other news, water remains wet. Any responses to any of this fun here, Chris? Just another week, more injured players, and we're just waiting for those reinforcements. Yep. As if it's going to matter, but keep on waiting, Shaney. Yep. So one last bit of news that they came out uh, just today, and Kyle Shanahan had talked about the possibility of this happening. So bizarre situation with addresser Tackerist McKinley, Tack McKinley, as as they call him. Last week, something like that was uh, released, waived by the Falcons, and there was conversation. And I think Shanahan even said, you know, mentioned in the presser last week that they had put a claim on him. But uh, the Bengals had claimed him in their and they're lower on the claim list. So the Bengals got him. Apparently, a couple of days ago, it came out that he did not pass his physical. And so the Bengals waived him again. <laughs> so he's waived twice within a very short period of time. But it came out today that the Niners claimed and were successful in their claim of McKinley. And so he will hopefully be on the team. Obviously, he has hoops to jump through. Like, this time he has to pass his physical. I mean, do we really care about that? Uh, well, you know, maybe not. He hurt anyway, so <laughs> it's only a matter of time. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And then he'll have to, you know, do the COVID testing and sit out the three days or whatever that is. You know, it was a pretty low risk, uh, potentially high reward type of situation. He was only owed, like, $875,000 for the rest of the season, which even for the Niners in their cash strap situation is not that much. Uh, he is a free agent at the end of this year, which means that he could be someone that they could sign at a low number in the offseason if he's just kind of like, uh, you know, he's good, but he's probably better as a rotational guy. And then they'll be able to bring him back with guys like Bosa and other players next year. Or <laughs> they lose him and they probably get a compensatory pick in uh, 2022. So, you know. Never a bad thing. So if the season ended today, uh, the 49ers would hold the 12th pick in the draft. And even with six games to go, it kind of feels like that's the direction that a lot of our conversation is going to go. Obviously, we're going to continue to talk about these games from week to week. And who knows what's going to happen? Any objections to that at this point, <laughs> Chris? I'll say sort of, because I don't think that it's the direction we should be thinking about, but it's the direction the team has forced us to think about. and. For the record, I'm not sure where you stand on this, but I'm very anti-tank for draft picks. Very anti-quote-unquote suck for luck, etc. First, just as a basic rule, tanking is a loser mentality. And like Confucius once said, we want winners. It was funny. Because <laughs> it wasn't Confucius. <laughs> I don't like tanking in general, especially intentionally. Teams don't usually tank intentionally. But fans who like root against their team i've never really understood that for any player but particularly under this regime 
tanking is absolutely meaningless given our history of draft shenanigans. <laughs> because just if we lose our way to a better draft pick, it doesn't mean that we're going to take the right player in the first place. Yeah. Or a player that wouldn't just be on the board if we just won all of our games. So I don't see what the point is other than being a loser. And I can be a loser on my own without doing it intentionally. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think uh, I'm not on board with it's like, let's lose games, blah, 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 blah. It's going to be a weird NFL draft in 2021 anyway, simply because there's less college football being played and a lot of players who are opting out of the college football season. And I saw a couple of cornerbacks for South Carolina that are considered high uh, potential high draft picks just opted out for the rest of the year. They played the first part and they just decided, okay, well, that's enough. Unless you are uh, one of those people who's of the opinion that we need to be grabbing one of these top quarterbacks, uh, which I don't uh, necessarily subscribe to that idea, but we'll see. Frankly, I don't think there's any way that the Niners are going to be bad enough to be in position to grab one of those top quarterbacks anyway, because even at 12, that's probably too far. And unless they're going to go mortgage to the future for a player. Oh, which will do. Uh, Maybe. Uh, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I'm with you. I'm not thinking about it in terms of like we have to think about like, you know, the season is over and we should just lose the rest of our games. But I think, you know, one eye on the offseason, maybe, so to speak, while still thinking about the opportunities that the rest of the year can provide. I think that's kind of the way I'm thinking about it, if that makes sense. Cool. I didn't want to have to fight you. <laughs> For sure. Let's get into a more depth on the Saints game and uh, get into the one up, one down segment uh, for today. Chris, I will start with you. Uh, and I was even nice enough to let you have your up here because I'm just that good of a guy. So, Chris, who's your up for the Saints game? That's very kind of you. I would have taken either, but he's definitely my number one up. And that is one rookie wideout, Brandon Ayuk, who was inaccurately targeted. I believe 14 times, but hauled in <laughs> seven receptions for 75 yards and touchdown. So far this season, he has racked up over 500 total yards and five touchdowns in eight games and a bad offense. So multiply that by two if he was playing a full season, and that is a thousand yard season and 10 touchdowns. And that's not too bad for a rookie, especially in this offense. Not at all. But he looks every bit like a future number one wide out. You can tell that he's still raw and he still has a lot of room to grow, which is actually a good thing. I think one thing he really needs to work on is his deep ball game. He doesn't really go up to catch the ball. At a, well, actually, it really doesn't go up to catch the ball at all, but he definitely doesn't go up to catch the ball at his <laughs> highest point. And I mean, he's got a little bit of size that he can use to his advantage. So I think it's something they need to work with him on in the offseason. But just say beggars can't be choosers and he has exceeded my expectations by far and i can't wait to see him with his fellow yak bros yeah and then honorary never gets to play yak bro richie james <laughs> if he's allowed to play ever again after fumbling a punt <laughs> yeah i was gonna say richie james might richie james might be uh permanently back in the doghouse at this particular juncture given his response i think it's the combination of his response to uh cj bethard's wildly underthrown pass to him uh, combined with the very next thing that he did was muff the punt that basically ended the game. So there you go. I think uh, I would probably would have responded the same to CJ about the pass though. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think independently those things are maybe not as bad, but together they look, it's not a, not a great look for sure. But um, I didn't really think about that. I mean, obviously you don't want to fumble a punt. You never want to do that. And I can understand how he's sort of put in this situation where, 
last week he just blew up and this week he really didn't. I mean, he was on the field a lot, but they just didn't really look at him at all. And yeah, it's got to be frustrating for a guy who's like, I showed you I can do it. Like, can you just let me do it? And then, you know, yeah. they got Trent Taylor and they put him in there. And, or, you know, first of all, I have no idea why they called that play on third down and 20 something. Like, we didn't need 75 yards, even though he was 75 yards seven. <laughs> and CJ Beathard can't throw it 50 yards. <laughs> it was third down. Yeah, it, so. it was third down, but you know, we didn't need all those yards. We were in four down territory there. I don't know. I guess you wanted <laughs> to see how far CJ could throw it. And the answer is not very far. Not far enough. But his is the answer. Spiral is very tight. So I guess that's good for something. Apparently not picking the ball, which should have been picked. But I can understand how Richie James could be pretty annoyed by yeah. the fact that he was hoping to have a repeat performance and he wasn't given the opportunity to do so. Sure. So obviously, he was upset that he was so open and he was underthrown. And That's some of the worst prevent defense I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> everybody was open. <laughs> they just let him run by him. They're like, okay, well, that's going fine. <laughs> and uh, the wide receiver on the side, I assume it was Ayuk, he. Probably ran to the sticks and then like ran like five yards past and then just cut back to the outside and he was just totally uncovered. <laughs> but CJ had already decided good that he's going to like half arm throw the ball as far as he could, which is not very far. It was a very, very good looking pass, just not very accurate. Just didn't get where it needed to go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so this was about Ayuk. Uh, <laughs> um, I 100% agree. Um, great player at this point in his career, him having so much of the spotlight on him is probably not the best thing. Um, now, again, as I mentioned last time, his he's managed to somehow overcome having a lot of focus on him as he has throughout much of the, of the time that he's been on the field. Um, if you think about it, you know, he missed the first game. Uh, Kittle got hurt and Debo was already out. And so he came in for, you know, his first, what, two games, no Debo, uh, no Kittle. Kittle comes back, you know, there's a couple of games there in the middle where they're <laughs> where they're all together, and then you know Debo gets hurt, Kittle gets hurt, and suddenly he's back to being like the focus of the offense as a rookie. And I, I well, I think he's eventually probably like you say going to get there. At this point, I'm not sure that he's uh, there's when when he is the lone focus, it's just a not enough uh, <laughs> offensive firepower, as it were. So, uh, but you know, definitely not at this point in his career. To his great credit that he's he's managed to, to be really effective in spite of that, for sure. Yeah, I'm just excited with somebody who looks exciting. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and fully endorse the let's get him out there with Kittle and Debo and uh, Raheem Mostert, people who can take some spotlight away. Because we were really looking forward to this whole, like, you can't cover everybody kind of thing coming into the year. And it's never, we have... It's not happened. Not one time this year. Well, it's going to be so much fun. Yeah. The Rams game, I think. Is that it? Yeah, I think that's it. And probably their best game of the season that they've played so far. So do we have Reed for that game too? Oh, no. That was, he wasn't in that game. So that was, but I think the Rams game is about as close as we've come to, to that. Speaking of which, Jordan Reed played out of his mind. <laughs> on Sunday, it was really good as well. I mean, you think that was a difficult catch? I mean, whatever, dude. A little bit. <laughs> oh, Nicholas, make some easy throws, man. Um, he wasn't making a lot of them, that's for sure. <laughs> no. Uh, I had one of those, too, um, where you go, what? Have Why are you? Uh, that's what's the ground, man. <laughs> like, they, this isn't basketball. They can't 
there's no bounce passes. <laughs> so yeah, 100% in agreement on that. Uh, I'm going to stick with the uh, 2020 rookie class for my up, and I'm going to go with right. the other first round draft pick, and that is Javon Kinlaw. Yeah, only like one choice. Yeah, <laughs> the pickings were slim. Um, we could probably just mention all of the all of the players that had good games and be done with it. We had, we mentioned the other one, which was Jordan Reed, uh, Javon Kinlaw, and then you know Fred Warner was Fred Warner, and I think that's about it. But Kinlaw, I think very little doubt that this was his best performance uh, so far of his rookie season. He's definitely been on, on the upward trajectory throughout the year. You know, getting better and clearly putting in the time. As I mentioned before, uh, the defense uh, was playing really well on Sunday and. You know, held the Saints to pretty low uh, numbers. Part of that was short fields, and time and time again, they were just put in in bad positions by the by both the offense and the special team units. But they, you know, held up as well as they could have. I think under the circumstances, to hold that offense to twenty seven points, I think was pretty good, especially because basically two of those touchdowns were giveaways on you know interceptions or fumbles in the Niners side of the field. Yeah, again, Kinlaw's been improving as the season's gone on, and. I think uh, Sunday was just the first time that we had some like counting stats to show the impact that he's having on the field. Uh, three tackles, his first NFL sack, and he also had another half sack uh, and two additional quarterback hits. His problem is, and this isn't really even his fault, uh, is that it's going to be difficult for anybody, but mostly 49er fans, uh, because his career is going to exist under the cloud of him not being DeForest Buckner. The school of thought is they traded away DeForest Buckner and they expected Kinlaw to come in and be DeForest Buckner. Well, that definitely wasn't going to happen. I don't know that anybody would say that he he's anywhere in that neighborhood, but at the same time, there's also been a lot of losses along that defensive line. Um, and I think Kinlaw is going to be a player that's going to benefit heavily from Bosa being back and the, the rotation on that defensive line picking up and it's going to benefit a lot of people, but Kinlaw for sure in the years to come. He definitely shouldn't have picked that number. Yeah. Yeah. I should have told him to do something different. <laughs> just like any other number, but that one, because you're just not that, that guy. Too bad he couldn't wear number three like he did in college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> that would have been awesome. Any, any other thoughts there before we move on to the down? Kinlaw was... Definitely one of my ups this week, and probably my player of the game on defense. And my only question was whether sacking Taysom Hill counts as a quarterback sack or not. But apparently, it does <laughs> if he's in the pocket. So it does, yeah. In this and case, then you get another half. And yeah, I mean, if only Eric Armstead would just show up and play football, then maybe the two of them next to each other would be pretty good. For sure. It, it's sort of weird just seeing these four fat guys try to run down quarterbacks. On third and long. Yeah. So why do we have our, our heavy set in there? Oh, no, that's Kerry Hyder. <laughs> that's the only set that we have. This is our, yep. this is our NASCAR package. That guy's <laughs> exactly right. 275 pounds. No big deal. Um, oh, let's... Taylor on that side, maybe. <laughs> let, let's pause here for a moment while we're talking about this before we get into your downs and talk about uh, what, uh, what I've seen referred to as the worst... Roughing the passer call in the history of the NFL. This may be hyperbole, but uh, I think it needs. I don't know. I think it needs to be mentioned. <laughs> if we're in a more important part of the game, like a more important game, it, I think it would go down as the worst ever. That was just so bad. So Javon Kinlaw got his first sack, uh, but Contavious Street got his first NFL sack ripped out of his hands by the referees in the game on Sunday. Uh, when he did literally everything correct. It was perfect. Literally everything. You know, he hit Drew Brees. He knocked him down. He clearly made every effort to land 
next to him so as not to fall on him and was still flagged for a roughing the passer penalty that ended up leading to a Saints score. And I don't know if you've seen the the, the video of his face when they called it. And he's just like, <laughs> oh, yeah. what? Like, <laughs> Some of Richard Sherman's face. <laughs> like tweeting about it. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, him and him and uh, Solomon Thomas were both apparently pretty adamantly like tweeting about like how stupid that was. I don't know if you saw all twenty two, but the umpire was just calling him sacked, and the referee just ran in there and just talked the umpire into it. He like sprinted up there, and it was so late you could only catch it in one of the two all twenty twos because the other one had just like the play was over and it went to the next play. But he runs in there like so, and, he, and he's like, and he was you could tell that he was like trying to argue that. Oh yeah, yeah, rough the passer, rough the pass. And he's like, "Oh, okay. I mean, that is his job to be looking for that kind of thing." And I'm like, "What?" Well, yeah, I mean, if the guy who's if the guy who's literally standing right there doesn't want to call it, then well, cuz it's not. <laughs> it's like obviously. And I don't understand how is he talked into it so easily? Like it was right in front of him and he should have said, "No, it wasn't." I'll tell you exactly why because Drew Brees got up and started limping off the field. Oh. Was it the whining? No, he didn't say anything. He just sort of like tucked his head in like really close to his body and just I'm sad just kind of started like old man strutting like towards the sideline like because it was I think it was third down right so it would have ended the like he was supposed to be done and he wasn't going to make anything about it at least not say anything I'm trying to think it might have been like second down I mean, he was just like I'm done I'm like I'm too old for this <laughs> and he's usually he's usually pretty quick to turn around and look for a flag when he thinks he's oh, supposed to get yeah, it and the fact that he did not um tells you something um like this is the man who whose neck was made of rubber when Ahmad Brooks sacked him several years ago and he turned around and looked for a flag immediately Breeze had no thought about this like he was too hurt <laughs> to think about milking it that's the crazy thing it's like he didn't even hit him that hard he did not land on him nope and somehow he broke his ribs <laughs> and punctured his lung maybe he shouldn't be playing football I don't know. I mean, he, he's a little old. And his offensive lineman pushed Street into him even further. Like, if he had just let him go through, then it's probably fine. So, anyway, I just wanted to pause and, and talk about that because we would be remiss if we didn't <laughs> mention it. Tried to bug it on my head because it was just so stupid. Yeah. And honestly, really at the bad. time, I'd already given up long, long ago. So, I'm like, yeah, it's about right. Yeah. Like, did Priest do that out of his pocket? Or <laughs> how does it work here in New Orleans? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, anyway, all right, on to uh, your down for the game. I'm sure there's plenty for you to talk about, Chris, so I'll let you go. There's so much to choose from. This is the uh, the Chris Wilson monologue time, so go. I think I already did that, and I don't want to be any more down than I already am, but I will give Evil Shinny my down because he's very deserving of it. A couple weeks ago, maybe last week, <laughs> that sort of determined that Salah is just not going to figure it out in certain aspects of being a defensive coordinator. Shannon is slowly moving in that direction, or I'm wondering if he can be a great offense coordinator and then a good head coach at the same time. Because so far he's not. I mean, he's a great offensive coordinator. He's one of the smartest minds in offensive football today, or you can make arguments. He has game was a lot different in the past but especially in the past game you know, he's one of the best ever but his questionable head coaching has turned him into a questionable offensive coordinator and it's like i've been saying for a lot of the season he just has too much on his plate 
He needs to learn how to delegate like a leader does. And it just feels like he's going through the motions and he's not playing the win. They score a touchdown, they punt on the next drive, and then they get the ball back. And then short field, you need to put the ball in the end zone. And it's end zone or bust because if you're going to win this game, you're going to put 14 points up on them right now. Put 10 points up on them now, you're not going to win this game. I was saying it at the time. I was like, there are no field goals here. It's end zone or bust. And what does he do? He just ends up calling a handful of bad plays. And I think there might have been a penalty in there as well. And uh, ends up kicking a field goal. And I'm like, all right, that's, that's about it. He just doesn't care. And he's just like, all right, when can we get to the bye week? I mean, he's been saying that for like three weeks now. Well, you know, all of our guys are going to be back after the bye week. Well, it's not going to matter because you've lost too many games because you're not coaching very well in the meantime. His play calling is just so predictable. And, you know, we joked about it in the second half play calling. You, you can tell exactly what he's going to call depending on whether the Niners are down or if they're up or if it's a neutral game script. But it's just way too easy for a smart or average defense to know exactly what the Niners are doing. And if they don't know what the exact play call is, then they know enough to get as many guys as they can on the line of scrimmage to break up those runs around the edge, whether they're flies or whether they're to a running back who's not McKinnon because McKinnon apparently just runs the ball in the middle if I get stuffed. So Shanahan's mission to rack up 30 rushes a game is meaningless and stupid, and he must be smarter than that. I'm hoping that he understands that a correlation and not a causation he must be smarter than that because he couldn't have been so good as an offense coordinator and not know that and he's just not focusing on what he does best and that's what leaders do they know what they do better than anybody else and that's what they do they don't do the things that they're not good at like personnel decisions or scouting or drafting all those things that Shanahan is horrible at doing and he needs to get back to his roots and his roots are being an excellent, if not the best, offensive coordinator in the NFL because his work as a head coach has brought his entire game down. And now, honestly, I don't even think he is a good offensive coordinator because he's not calling good plays. And yeah, injuries, you know, it's another excuse, yada, yada. Other teams are able to play through injuries and not look as bad as we do. His offense is just so dependent on two things. A breakaway running back, like we had in Brita or Mostert, because you know our offense line is not going to be good, and a running back like McKinnon is not going to be able to function in it. And then you need a quarterback like Jimmy G, who can play lights out on third down under center. If you don't have those two things, because you're going to get in a lot of bad third down situations, then you're not going to win games. So part of the podcast, when I was making you wait, I was just looking through some of Shanahan's coaching stats with and without Garoppolo. So Shanahan is 27 and 31 as a head coach. And that works out to a 46.6% winning percentage or just about seven and nine over a 16 game season. With Garoppolo, Garoppolo in the Niners is 22 and eight when he starts the game. 73% winning percentage, which would be 12 and 4 in a 16 game season. Shanahan without Grappolo, 5 and 23, 17.8, less than 3 and 13. 
when Garoppolo starts the game and doesn't get knocked out and actually finishes it, he's 21 and 5. That's 80.7% win percentage, 13 and 3. Shanahan, without Garoppolo for the entire game, is 6 and 26. And even though that's horrible, because Garoppolo had the one win in which he didn't play the second half, Shanahan's winning percentage actually goes up to 18.8%, but he's still around. Actually, I think he was exactly 3-13. and 13. So it would be crazy for him to just let Garoppolo walk at the end of the season. And I know there's been some talk in the last couple of days that he's been semi-quoted as saying that he expects Garoppolo to be the quarterback for next season. But I don't necessarily think that all those quotes are taken extremely in context <laughs> as much as they could be. And Well, I mean, I read the whole thing and he... That's what he said. Yeah, maybe in the interview, but just in his, just seeing how he handles him and seeing how he has handled him over the last few years. It just, it's hard for me to believe he would make a decision today. You said that you uh, read the transcript. Did you say definitively he will be our guy next year? I think it was something like, we expect him to be here. Yeah, yeah, he expect. I mean, it's certainly, you know, it's it's media talk for sure. Yeah, like, give me a little room to, to move out of this if I don't want to in the future. Um, just that combined with the fact that he doesn't seem to like him for some reason. I'm not really sure why. And maybe I'm wrong on that, but it's what everybody says too. So you just sort of get the feeling too, because he calls different plays for him than he does for his other quarterbacks. And I don't know. It's just, you don't want that kind of drama between your quarterback and your offensive coordinator, especially when he's winning so many games for you. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, Grapple's not winning all those games. I mean, he didn't win the NFC championship game last year. That was a Mostert win. But at the same time, he's put into all these horrible situations, and he is an elite third-down quarterback like no one else in the NFL. And he's proven to be because he has to be. And whenever he's not, then all the fans hate on him. And if you put other quarterbacks in the same situation with this offensive line, they wouldn't last very long either. So just the more that I see Shanahan sort of flounder without Garoppolo, the more that I know that we need Garoppolo healthy to be able to do anything because under Lindsay's uh, tenure, we haven't been able to win games unless Garoppolo has been under center. So if he's under there, we're winning games. And if he's not under there, then we're losing games. Shanahan's really got to pick it up over the last handful of games and show that he can be a good offensive coordinator again. Because we know he can. He obviously can. But he needs to learn how to delegate and give some of the head coaching responsibilities to other individuals that are on his staff who are able to do the job and focus on what you do better than anybody else. And if you don't do that, then we're not going to win a lot of games. That wasn't a mile long. That was pretty short. For me, your thoughts? Relatively speaking, sure. (laughs) mostly reasonable there um i'll take that i i I mean i think there is i think there are certainly i i think there are a handful of quarterbacks that would probably be fine with our offensive line absolutely but are any of them available or any of them on our roster if we switched (laughs) you know if we if we put you know mahomes or maybe aaron Rodgers, you know those those types of top tier guys on this team i think that it would be just fine um but yes i think obviously given wilson or I didn't want to say it. We're not allowed to talk about that. No, he's fine. Uh, 
<laughs> bubble water, maybe. Maybe he'll share his, his secret recipe. Yeah, bubble water. Those guys aren't on our team. That's the problem, though. <laughs> right, right, right. No, 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 I know what you're saying. Just to be clear, what you're not saying is that there are no other quarterbacks that could run this offense in the NFL. What you're saying is there are no other quarterbacks on this team right now that could give the team a better chance to win, which doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't other options in the world, just that currently the best thing to do is to is to continue to run it back. Absolutely. But I go a step beyond that and say that you have one of the better options for your offense on your roster and signed for multiple more years for not that much money. Yeah. You would be crazy to get rid of him for nothing. Sure. Of course, I'm, in no way am I saying that he is Mahomes. I thought that went without saying, but this isn't like Madden or something like that, you know? Yeah, right, right. But, you know, th- there'd be somebody who'll come after us and be like, eh, what about Ben? Yeah, yeah, we know. We're very aware of what Patrick Mahomes can do. Thank you very much. But, yeah, I, I think you're right in that regard. It'll be very interesting to see regarding the quarterback situation what happens over the next couple of weeks and into the offseason. Talking about this before uh, we started recording, but uh, it has come out today that apparently Garoppolo has a no trade clause worked into his uh, contract just for next year. And so he couldn't be traded without his permission until 2022, which is very interesting. And so as you say, uh, it would make a lot of sense to just like drop him for nothing because you're going to lose something there. So I don't know. That'll be very interesting to see what happens with that. But yeah, I think it certainly would benefit uh, Shanahan on the larger scale to, to figure out a better way to sort of run the team and still try to to run the offense. I think that would certainly be paramount in in his uh, situation, but I am actually going to sort of dovetail off some of what you were saying for my down. And that was uh, the running game without Raheem Mostert, which is just, just cratered uh, over the last couple of weeks. Um, So the Niners managed just 49 yards and 25 carries Um, that, 49 yards includes a negative eight-yard run by Ayuk uh, early in the game. Jarek McKinnon ran the ball 18 times for 33 yards. That is 1.8 yards per carry, which is very bad. Jamichael Hasty three for 13, which is 4.3 yards per carry before leaving with his injury. That would be better, but again, he only ran the ball three times, and he went out with an injury. Just couldn't get the running game going for various reasons. You know, offensive line play, uh, poor timing, the fact that the Saints were ready to take it down, that kind of thing. But 12 guys in the box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That kind of thing. Uh, it hasn't just, it wasn't just this week. It was, it's been the last several weeks. So the Niners ran the ball for 197 yards uh, against new England. What was that? A month ago. feels like forever ago uh, in a game that they won 197 yards in that, in that game since then. Uh, so since that new England game, they played uh, Seattle green Bay and now the saints, they ran the ball for 52, 55, and 49 yards on 22, 17, and 25 carries. That, my good sir, is a whopping 156 yards on 64 carries, or 2.4 yards per rush over three games. Which we lost all of. Yes, which we've lost all three. Because we kept on running. Maybe. I mean, there's, there's certainly more to it than than just we just kept on running but uh, that certainly exacerbated other problems like the fact that you know in the green bay and seattle games our defense couldn't stop anybody uh you know we put them and then you know and with the saints game we put them in bad positions that sort of thing so uh, as you were alluding to uh mostert is is a clearly important piece for this team 
He covers up for a multitude of offensive line sins. The offensive line doesn't even have to be very good, and he is clearly good enough to make up for that. It is a little strange, however, that Jeff Wilson had such a good game uh, in his uh, one start that he had. That That's a strange kind of conundrum that I don't quite understand uh, because that would suggest that Jeff Wilson is somehow in Mostert's level, which I'm not sure that you could make that case. It's one game. It could have just been like a freak thing where you know they were blocking really well that game, and so he followed suit kind of thing. Um, it's a mystery. Uh, and Shanahan's offense obviously falls apart without even the worry of running the ball. Um, once a team figures out that it has, has the Niners' number, um, two things happen. One, Shanahan will probably continue to try, although his rushing numbers have been a lot lower over the last couple of games, although 25 on uh, Sunday was not great. But it also takes away other things, uh, you know, like the play action and the ability to, to for the motions and all the other stuff that he's got going on to really actually have any impact on the game at all. Because if the defense decides that it doesn't have to worry about the run, then it's just going to key up on all those moving parts. Not good. Like any ovens, especially Shannon's ovens, it's best when you don't know what the next play is going to be. <laughs> Generally speaking, yeah. And when everybody knows what the next play is going to be, and your offense line sucks, because the Niners have a horrible offensive line. I mean, they have one good offensive lineman. They have one half-decent offensive lineman. They have three horrible offensive linemen, including one who will just allow the cornerback blitz just over and over and over without doing anything about it. <laughs> and suddenly, somehow it's credited to McKinnon or something like that. I don't even know. But if you're playing against an average defense and they know that you're going to run the ball whenever you can on first ten, first and ten, they're going to stop you. Your team isn't that good to be able to overcome that. Very few teams are. Now, when you have that outside running game and your offense line's a little bit better and you have a home run hitter like Mozart, then that's when Shanahan's offense can really take off because you can stuff him a couple of times and then he breaks one. And then you can stuff him a couple of times and then he breaks one. Then you have 14 points. But when it's just stuff, stuff, and then the break goes for seven yards, that doesn't really do us any good. So the Niners in this game, for some reason, ran the ball an equal amount of times on first down as passing the ball. So 14 rushes, 14 passes. They were able to manage a grand total of zero first downs on their first down runs. And 43% of their first down passes resulted in first downs. And that is a strong suit of Shanahan's offense historically. And that was a major, major part of his record-breaking offense before he came to San Francisco. And he's given up on it for some unknown reason. And maybe because it worked too well. He's just waiting to break out again when he gets Matt Ryan behind this offensive line. Like, that's going to work very well. So he just needs to cut out his stupid 30 runs per game objective. And he needs to be a little bit more difficult to predict. I mean, it's really just that simple because even look on the you know the first drive, yeah, it was a nice drive, but it also had three third down tries, so they needed to convert on that drive. And on average, you're not going to convert three first downs in a row. So on average, that drive is not going to work. And if you're not getting chunk yardage and you're not moving the chains on early downs, you're going to be stuck in bad third downs and 
going to end up kicking the ball because you love to kick the ball in all situations. And it's just not a recipe for success as was shown over the rest of the game. So yeah, I mean, it'll work every once in a while for the Niners. It worked once the entire game and they were given some nice short fields that they did absolutely nothing with and they kicked a couple field goals. So congratulations on that. But his predictable play calling is just got to stop. He's putting his offense in way too many bad third down situations and his quarterbacks are getting killed because our offensive line just cannot block. They cannot block when opposing teams rush three or four, like five, like forget it. This is an effective offense with all the personnel on the field when you have Mostert and Jimmy healthy. Now he has neither. All he has is predictable play calling. And his offense, in a technical term, sucks. And it makes the Brita trade even dumber. Because, you know, Mostert isn't the kind of guy who's probably going to play every season, a full season, all 16 games, or all 19 games. So you need another guy out there who can run with Mostert-esque speed. Not quite that high than a similar style runner like Brita. Just getting rid of him for pretty much nothing doesn't make any sense. And the only thing that would make less sense is if they gave up Crapolo for pretty much nothing. So I'm still hoping they don't do that, and I'm hoping that his words were stronger than they appeared to be earlier today or yesterday. And that if his plan is to move away from Grappolo for whatever reason, he's going to learn pretty quickly that with Grappolo in the game and on the roster and available, that he's going to be winning a lot more games with them than with some random rookie quarterback or C.J. Beathard under the throwing Richie James. <laughs> Well, let's hope it's not CJ Beathard. I don't know. This is the year. He's got to make the decision, right? Yeah, I guess so. So we don't have a whole lot left to do here because, Chris, thankfully, next week is the bye week. Uh, it took a really long time to get here. Last year, it came really fast. This year, it felt like it took forever. So we'll just... Uh, Predictions? Predictions or what? Kind of. Yeah, let's talk really quickly about, generally speaking, what's like one thing you want to see during this bye week. I don't want to lose. What? I definitely don't want to lose. Done. No injuries. Yeah, that's about it. I mean, do I really think Shannon's going to realize all of his mistakes? No. It'd be nice. But at least now he doesn't have an excuse that he doesn't have players because he's been calling for week 12 for weeks and weeks, and now it's here, and you haven't given us too much the last couple weeks, so you really don't have an excuse now. And hopefully with guys like Sherman in there that Shannon will have to step it up a little bit to not upset some of these veterans who are playing in some of their last seasons of their lives and they don't want to be playing for a losing team that isn't trying to win. So I'm looking forward to these guys coming back. I'm looking forward to them lighting a fire underneath team on offense and defense, even though the defense did play well last week. Yeah. But more than anything under Shani to get him in the direction that he was going last year and not in the direction he's going this year because it just feels way too much like five years ago or 10 years ago or 15 years ago or you know and <laughs> i thought we were over this i thought we were on the way up and obviously injuries are taking toll and injuries will and yeah turnovers are taking toll and turnovers definitely will as well but at the same time you should never be in a situation where people are looking at you like you don't care you know it just doesn't seem like it cares to me it just seems like you wanted to get to the bye week it was a winnable game but he had to try and he didn't really try 
And I want, actually, I, I think a couple of the um, NFC West teams are playing each other, so they can't both lose. But <laughs> I want all the NFC West teams to lose. When I was looking at how could the Niners possibly make the playoffs, which is absolutely absurd after what I've just been talking about for like 45 minutes, right? <laughs> but Seattle, yeah. they still have to play Arizona, the Rams, and San Francisco. Arizona has to play Seattle, the Rams twice in San Francisco. And the Rams have to play San Francisco, Arizona, Seattle, and then Arizona again. So these teams are going to be playing each other, and they can't both win. Yeah, the uh, the Cardinals and Seahawks play each other on Thursday night this week, and then the Rams have the Bucks on Monday night. Yeah, so unfortunately they can't both lose, but I would like them to both lose. Correct. I don't think the Niners would have to win out, but they have to bypass one of those three teams. That's really what they'd have to do, because they're not going to bypass one of the teams in the South, and... If they bypass one of the teams in the West, they're probably going to bypass the Bears. So they're really only a couple of games out of it. And after this week, they'll be a half game less out of it. Maybe it could be a good good week for them just to sit back and watch some other teams lose. I just wish that the NFC West were all playing good teams this week <laughs> and not each other. Well, I mean, the Rams are playing the Bucks, who looked pretty good on Sunday. And then we have some interdivision beatdown. So I don't know how that works. But yeah, I'm, I'm definitely with you on the, the no injury thing. Um, I mentioned, you know, they're not mathematically out of this, you know, two and a half games out of first place behind the, basically the rest of the division, um, which is kind of wild. They will be two games behind somebody when this is all said and done. The trouble is, as, as you notice, they have half of their games against, uh, the division. They have three games against the division teams, Los Angeles to start. And then they have, uh, the Cardinals and the Seahawks for the final two games of the season with the Bills, the Washington football team, and the Cowboys smushed in between. So, you know, I'm seeing at least two more wins there. (laughs) Uh, Thanks, NFC East, for being terrible. And that's got to be a starting point, but they're going to have to win some games that they're not expected to win is really the the long and the short of it. But as far as the question of during the bye week, uh, again, staying healthy, I just think the most important thing is figuring out ways to, again, you want to continue to think about winning games for this season, but you also want to start thinking about, you know, who are the players going to be that are going to stick around for next year and then years after that. Players need to start realizing that given the situation that they're playing for jobs in 2021 and beyond at this point. So, you know, figuring out if a guy like Tack McKinley is going to be worth keeping around. They don't have any cornerbacks on the books for next year. Who's going to do that? Are you going to re-sign Sherman at this point, given what he just went through? Uh, you know, or is Jason Brett the long-term answer? I think more is made of that. Like, obviously, they have control in a lot of ways over what they do with like Emmanuel Mosley, uh, and they can decide that Akella Witherspoon could be kept around. Although, given the, his uh, status the last two weeks, that's you've already made that decision, right? That's definitely not happening. So, there's a little bit more wiggle room there than I think often is made of it. But there are decisions to be made. So I think it's time to start thinking about that a little bit and start, you know, thinking like, what are we doing with Tarverius more? Yeah, at least they played him. That was one thing I was happy about. Yeah, that was nice to see him out there and with Jimmy Ward, yeah. you know, figuring out what's the long term solution in other areas all over the team. Like, what are you going to do? Like, figure out how to make it work and start thinking about players that, you know, are going to be here, players that you think might be here next year. Start thinking about that a little bit over the course of the bye week and through the last six games of the season. That's that, because prediction time is canceled for this week. Uh, Other than to predict, Chris? What, that we won't lose? Or that Jimmy Ward won't intercept the pass? They had so many hands. (laughs) Uh, 
Wow. Um, yes. Predict that we won't lose. That is our one collective prediction. Niners won't lose this week. I feel good. I feel good. I feel great about it. So, uh, <laughs> Thank you for talking me through my sadness. No problem. That's what I'm here for. This has been another edition of the Niner Noise Therapy Set. I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Uh, as always, check out NinerNoise.com for all your latest 49er news and analysis. And be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And, of course, share it with all your fellow 49er fan friends. And until next time, let's sound that bi-week horn, 49ers. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.